after a short squeeze, when shorts have been either forced or because they're panicked a little bit to come out of their shorts because they, they fear that exposure. Now what that does in, in effect is it, is it, it reduces uh, the bar demand. You're listening to Traders Insight Radio by Interactive Brokers. Find more podcasts and daily market commentary at tradersinsight.news. Please remember any trading discussions are for information purposes only and are not intended to portray recommendations. Please listen to further disclosures at the end of today's episode. Now, welcome to our show. Let's get started. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Interactive Brokers Traders Insight Radio. This is Steve Sosnick, Chief Strategist at Interactive Brokers. I have with me today a colleague who I've worked with for over 20 years now. He and I talk frequently. We've done so for decades, literally. Um, it's my colleague, Bill Pepe, who manages our stock loan department. And we hope to mis demystify the topics of stock lending and short selling because these are continually of interest uh, to our readers um, at tradersinsight.news. And let's get going. Bill, why don't you start by just giving a quick background? Um, I think I've given the basics, but if you could just flesh it out a little bit so the, re so the listeners know who you are. Sure. First of all, I thank you for the opportunity to speak to you and our audience. Um, I, I think it's probably best if um, we do a little stock loan 101 so we can um, get the basics down and then we can delve into other things. So first of all, as you said, I, I, uh, I manage the stock loan desk uh, in the US and in Canada uh, for interactive brokers and have um, done so for, for quite some time as you alluded to. Um, in terms of Stock Loan 101, uh, in terms of terminology, I think one of the things that uh, mystifies folks is it often uh, is uh, stated under different names. So Stock Loan, Stock Lending, Securities Lending, Securities Finance, it all sort of falls under the same umbrella. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the, the key purposes of Stock Loan. Again, I just want to pin down the basics so we can dive into some other things. Uh, so um, you, you have uh, several components of a stock loan deal. For starters, none of it would happen if there wasn't borrowed demand. So the stock borrower is a firm that typically has a short sale obligation. Um, that is the primary driver of borrowing stock, although it's not the only driver of borrowing stock. Let me just interrupt for sure, one second, sure. just so we get really the basics. If you sell a stock short, Somebody is expecting that stock on the other end of the transaction. Therefore, since you're selling what you don't have, your broker, your clear, the clearing uh, firm behind your broker, is required to borrow those shares to make delivery to whomever bought the stock from you. They're expecting stock. They don't care that you're a short seller. The, the process of facilitating that delivery is what we're discussing now. Uh, and by the way, let me state for the record, this is a legal activity. This is something that we that is routinely done in the in the markets. I, I'm going to say this is a lubricant to some extent, like some of the motor oil that goes on behind the scenes in, in the marketplace uh, to facilitate transactions. Come settlement date, which is typically two days after the trade date, that short seller has an obligation to deliver shares uh, to the buyer. And that short seller has a couple of possible uh, sources to satisfy that short, short sale obligation. 
Um, they may have shares internally. In other words, from another long customer or perhaps a proprietary uh, trading bucket that they may use. If that's not the case, they may look to borrow externally to satisfy the borrow obliga obligation. And that's where the lender comes in. So what's the, the lender's primary motivation to engage in a stock loan deal? Well, the number one reason is, is to generate revenue. You have long stock, and I don't want to say it's collecting dust because there are many uses for a long stock, but you can use it to lend it to a borrower and, and, and charge a particular rate in order to generate revenue. There are secondary reasons for both borrow demand and loan and lending supply or the inclination to borrow or lend. And we can touch upon those in a bit, but let's focus on this primary uh, circumstance, if you will. So uh, the components of a stock loan deal are the quantity, that which the stock borrower wants to borrow, the value, which is, you know, generally speaking, the market value of uh, the quantity times the market price. The duration, which far more often than not is overnight. Uh, in other words, the stock borrower has the right on any given day to return the shares. The stock lender has the right on any given day to uh, recall the shares, ask for them back. But let's talk about the rate a little bit, since that's that's what steers uh, the revenue associated, the revenue or the cost associated with the deal. So generally speaking, the greater the borrow demand of a given stock relative to float, or more accurately, the lender, the lendable supply, the greater the cost to borrow. Let me just interject here that float is what you can look up. You can find that number relatively easily. It's it, it's public. It's the shares outstanding, less those shares held by the company itself or, or insiders. The lendable amount is not a number that's known to people because not everyone either chooses to or is obligated to lend their shares. And so the availability of a borrow, uh, that that lendable amount can be a bit opaque. It, no, you're right on the money. And it can also be said that uh, the short interest is also opaque. Yes, it's reported twice a month, um, but it's not reported on a daily basis. So not everybody knows what the collective demand is to borrow stock. Um, and, and so generally speaking, um, those are the supply and demand factors um, that weigh into the cost of borrow. Let's let's go into that cost of borrow because um, in a basic sense, there's the concept of, of general collateral. And general collateral are shares that th there's no reason not to be able to borrow or lend them. They're, they're plentiful around the street. They're not in particularly high demand for short selling. Um, and effectively, what goes on in stock loan is it, it's a secured loan. So there's not really a ton of inter-contraparty risk in here. The shares are held in the depository. Uh, the, 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 the counterparties are usually members of the clearinghouse. Um, and in the vast majority of cases where it is general collateral, think IBM. It, there's nothing particularly special about borrowing or lending that stock. That's going to take place around Fed funds rates, correct? Indeed. And so that should have gone, that rate should have gone up a little bit, which, which does increase some of the revenue to the, lend, to the lending firms, just because we're, uh, after the most recent Fed, Fed rate hike, we're 25, there's 25 basis points to it, whereas before the transactions were more or less happening around zero. Is that correct? That's right on the money, yes. Yeah. 
So this is just the economics of it and um, the basic economics. The fun really comes in when we're talking about things that are not general collateral. And, and I'll let you lead into that um, when you feel it's appropriate. And and so, the, you know, the, the, the fun, um, as you say, uh, is is especially uh, felt on on the loan side, of course, because, you, you, you know, you have the opportunity to charge a market rate, but a rate that is a greater offset, if you will. I use the word offset to describe the difference between the benchmark, which is Fed funds, as you noted, um, and whatever the rate may be. So let's say we were charging um, negative 1% and the prevailing benchmark rate was spot 2.5 after the, um, the rate change hike last week. That offset would be 125 basis points that we would charge, charge on the transaction. Spot 2.5, that's just a fancy way of saying 0.25, 0.25, which is the prevailing rate of interest. There's something that's very specific to stock lending that doesn't occur in the real world all that often. The numbers are quoted in negatives, and it's important to understand why there's a negative. But why don't you explain it? Because it because effectively, when you borrow shares, you're lending money and vice versa. Why don't you uh, explain a little bit why stock lending tends to be expressed in negative numbers? Sure, and I, and I think it's fair to start off with your example of IBM or any any other highly liquid GC with general collateral stock. So, you know, let, let's imagine yes. uh, that Steve and I are our stock loan counterparts working at different firms and I'm going to lend GC, IBM or, or Microsoft or what have you uh, to him. So I'm going to lend, uh, let's say, a million dollars worth of IBM to him. He's going to give me a million dollars simultaneously. It's it's one transaction that that occurs versus payment. So the million dollars comes to me. And that is uh, Steve effectively investing his money at, since this is totally available uh, to borrow, uh, there's, again, no reason why there would be a shortage of supply. Um, he's effectively investing his money at the opportunity uh, for which any broker dealer would have to invest that money, which is somewhere around Fed funds, let's say. Okay. I think it's a reasonable expectation. Okay. Now, let's say that he is um, borrowing, excuse me, let's I, say he has I shorted and therefore borrowing a stock yeah. that is highly in de demand relative to supply. And he needs to make good on his delivery obligation associated with a short sale. And it's not readily available. He can't call up any number of however many firms are on his roster of counterparts to borrow the stock. He's going to have to work hard to borrow the stock. and as luck would have it, I do have it in-house as lendable supply. I am going to be able to charge, as you would with anything that is scarce in supply, I'm going to be able to charge more for that stock loan. And the way we prop process his payable or my receivable is in the form of a rate. Um, and that rate would be the sign convention would be negative on the deal in, in order for the stock loan post trade processing to handle that billing appropriately. Is, is that, does that, does that? Well, let me, let me just clarify in exchange for lending the shares, you get to borrow money, but you get to borrow that money at a negative rate. So effectively uh, for that million dollars that we, that we contract to uh, you'll, when we, when the, when we unwind the transaction, 
I get back, I give back the shares and I get back $990,000 or something, something to that effect. So effectively, you're, you're borrowing the money, you're, you're, you're lending the shares and getting the opportunity to borrow money at a negative rate. Um, uh, paying me back less than I paying me back less than I would have ha received in a normal case in the example you gave one one point two five percent less or, or or whatever but that's why it's negative because yeah that's a that's a fair I probably wouldn't have otherwise stated it that way but that's a fair representation of uh, yeah please tell me how you would state it because you've you've got no much I, more I, I think I, with this. I think that sort of captures it I, you know I I would say um, that that the borrower um, is is willing to forego I mean it's all it's all baked in right the um, but he's willing to forego the opportunity to earn a rate as if he were borrowing IBM to be able to borrow something that's highly in demand um, and therefore willing to pay up for it but the the uh, the steps uh, that you just described it actually captured is it captures it to the layman uh, a little bit better. Thank you. The, the, yeah. the, the, the logic here would be, you know, why would you, why would you ever do something that has a negative rate? Well, you're doing this, you're speculating. And again, this is legitimate. This is legal because these shares are all borrowed and subject to FINRA and SEC regulation done legally and appropriately. You think the shares are going to go down by more than the amount of that it's going to cost you um, in terms of your stock loan. That's the rationale for it. There's a reason why people do it. Um, sometimes there's an arbitrage, sometimes it's outright speculation. We'll get into some of that um, as we go on. Uh, but I wanted to get through the mechanics because once we start talking in negative rates, that tends to that tends to baffle sometimes and, and for good reason. Indeed, and I would like to add uh, one other thing on the topic in terms of uh, a firm's inclination to borrow in, in negative territory. We can both recall, you and I can both recall a time where firms would not at all be inclined to borrow in, in negative territory. In, in other words, be inclined to pay up to borrow. And that was a time when there was no ramification, no legal ramification for failing to deliver. Uh, and this was prior to 2008, if, if memory serves. And it, it's at that time where the rule uh, came to be that you had to close out a short position if you failed. Reg, reg show and is so the term you hear all the time. Regulation, indeed. SHO, SHO being short sale. Reg show is a common term. Sorry, didn't just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah, no, you're right on the money. And, and I'm glad you mentioned it by name. But prior to this rule, firms would willingly fail and it was it was a, a streetwide thing uh to which the regulators uh and, and i'm glad they did said whoa, whoa, whoa what's going on here you know let's let's prevent this activity uh and they instituted <laughs> several rules and and one of which one of them was you know you fail you have to close out that short obligation i i will say that a lot a lot of the bad name that short selling got uh, was was from what I would call the bad old days. You, you've heard about naked shorts, and and that's what Bill's referring to is is when you sh when you shorted a stock without the ability to borrow. That creates failed transactions. The street used to sort of brush them under the rug. You know, okay, no, and, and people would yell about it. Sometimes fairly, sometimes not. 
Um, I think I think a lot of the worst of it got overblown, but but there were some fairly nefarious situations, and I think the um, the SEC the SEC did us all a favor by codifying what is what is required and what is not. Um, and you know this was a case, uh, and I hope you agree of of sound regulation rather than regulation for the sake of I do agree hundred percent regulation. Let me let me also explain something else that I think mystifies people in some regard. Well, let, I'll let you explain, I should say. Stock loan is one of the few remaining opaque areas of the financial markets. Um, it, it's really not visible to many people. The transactions still tend to be broker to broker rather than exchange driven. Uh, can you can you explain a bit more about to what extent um, it's still kind of behind the scenes over the counter market, how much transparency has come into the business since you've since you've been a part of it, that sort of thing. So I'm glad you brought that up. You've heard, so it's it's gotten better. It's not completely transparent uh, to the public, um, but it, it has gotten better uh, in, in a number of ways. Um, automation being one of them, there is better data at least to insiders, at least to stock loan personnel, and and to a large extent to institutional traders. There are a number of vendors that collect and distribute stock loan data. You know, does the average uh, retail trader, you know, the mom and pop of the world, um, have access to this information? And should they? No, they don't. And they and they they probably should. And and in fact, Interactive Brokers does a very good job on its uh, trader workstation of providing a, a lot of this information um, such that its customers have visibility to it. Uh, there, There is a proposed rule that is being discussed that is going to add some transparency to the general public, um, as, you, as you suggested, was you know, insufficient, uh, for, for lack of a better word. You know that that is being discussed at at a high level, and it, it's probably going to be something that comes to fruition in in the next year. It does. C can you go into some of the rules? Because one of the things that I think caught a lot of people by surprise is that stock loan a lot. You know, the basic amount of stock loan data is reported by the exchanges every two weeks, and even then on a lag. And I think that that came to play early last year, and we'll get into a lot of those mechanics. Is there some is there some talk about um, requiring uh, the dissemination of sh of short sale data on a shorter time frame? Or I w I wish that were the case. I haven't heard about uh, any regulation that is going to disseminate uh, short sale um, data more than the twice a month. And as you said, on a delay, there are some stock loans specific, and it's important to distinguish the difference. You know, to use stock loan data as a proxy for what the short interest is out there is a misleading thing. What it misses is the component of internalization. And I just want to kind of revert back to what I said at the beginning of the call, which is when when you are a, a short seller, uh, when a clearing firm has a short sale obligation, generally the first thing that they do is they look to tap into what shares they have on hand to satisfy that obligation. And it's only after that they absorb that sourcing, if you will, before they go out and they borrow the shares externally. So the first piece of that is not is not and will not be contained 
in the trans this uh, exchange act that is that is being proposed. It, so there there's a, a significant portion of the short sale quantity that is not captured in this stock loan um, data that they're going to require to be reported. Um, and and so I, I I fear that it it'll be misleading in a sense. That that that's important because I think that is that is lost, and I think that's that actually plays into the fact that depending on which brokerage firm you're dealing with, you can get vastly different answers as to what is um, shortable or what a rate is at any given time. Your broker has what they call a big box in that security, which is the amount of lendable shares. Um, it, it's relatively easy for can be relatively easier for them to um, fulfill a short sale obligation, either you know either the fact that they can versus can't or the price uh, to you may be better. Um, I, I would say, um, without being overly promotional, uh, that there are certain brokerage firms I could think of that uh, you and I work for that um, have tend to have a large box of available shares um, and tend to be very tr- fairly transparent with the rates. But I, I think, you know, at firms that don't have that, you can get into some nasty surprises because they are more likely to need to go out to the street to fulfill their customer's short sale obligations than, um, than one that can do so in-house. Is that a fair approximation? Yeah, yeah, that, that is 100% accurate. And, 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 and what, I, what I like um, about uh, Interactive Brokers Platform um, is not only do you get a good indication of the the shares available that you may short, um, which by the way are are decremented per short sale, so it's not like uh, IB shows X amount and then short sales occur and they're not reduced. They're reduced um, to the degree that there are are short selling going on, but also the indication of the the rate. For as much as we can possibly know now, we can't predict the future, but um, you know it's 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 a it's a real time rate uh, based on what Those we know now. Those rates can be very fluid. Um, if you have, yes. it certainly can yes. be fluid, and and I don't I don't deny that. Um, but we're not in the crystal ball business, and and so we can only present uh, what uh, what we know at, at this moment. Um, you know, the, the other things um, that that I kind of like, and I'll, I'll take my promotional hat off in a, in a, in a moment, but um, there's a, there are other statistics uh, presented, uh, such as utilization, um, and utilization can be a, a great, very good indicator of an expected rate, not only to uh, pay uh, on a short, but if you are involved in the, in the stock yield enhancement program, uh, which is a revenue sharing program, uh, where IB would have a, a relationship, a documented relationship with a customer to allow IB to lend those shares, and then the revenue is shared um, per those loans. Um, so again, the ability to see, all right, well, what's the what's the expected utilization here? You know, is it ninety percent? Is it two percent? Um, and what's the expected rate? You know, I think that's kind of the transparency, the kind of transparency uh, that you alluded to when we started to veer towards this topic. It's important also to remember the distinction uh, between 
margin accounts and cash accounts. If, if you have a margin account, which the vast majority of, of customers at Interactive Brokers do, um, those shares are pretty much free to lend. Uh, not, not free to lend. That's the wrong, maybe the wrong term. Available to lend um, because they're held in street name um, as opposed to your own name. Whereas in a cash account, um, though, you can opt out uh, of of letting your broker lend the shares. Where I don't think that's available in a margin account. Is that correct? Yeah, a, a margin account. The the broker dealer, any broker dealer, um, has the opportunity, uh, the right, and the opportunity to hypothecate 140% of the debit balance. And so, you know, perhaps that means pledging or more likely it means uh, the opportunity to lend um, stock that are, that are in the accounts associated with debit balances. Yeah, so, that, so that's, you know, so sometimes you hear, oh, I don't want, I, I don't want, there was a whole bunch of misinformation out there. I don't want to lend my shares or, you know, if I use a market order, your shares won't get lent or if you use a limit order, your first of all, let me, state for the record that stock loan has no idea whether you placed a market order, a limit order, a good till canceled order, a day order. That's all irrelevant because they don't see the transaction until it's until it's in the settlement process, not not during the trading process. So that let me just clarify that misinformation that got out there um, you know, sometime in 2021. There were all kinds of crazy theories. That's not one of them. But it, it, but also what it means is there are situations where people want to squeeze the shorts by not lending their shares. Um, but if you hold those shorts, if you're the person who doesn't want their shares lent, you have to move them to a cash account because if they're in a margin account, it, it, it's not up to you. And this is, and this is again, this yeah. is not our rule. This is, this is firm. This is uh, system wide. Uh, so that's an important distinction. And the stock yield enhancement program, it, it, to me, is a great benefit because if you have a margin account and your shares are getting lent, you might as well see some of the benefit, which I think is an important an important feature. Yeah, it's aptly named stock yield enhancement. It, it's it's a it's a very good program for many, and and certainly if one you know opted to not execute a what's called a master securities lending agreement with interactive brokers, uh, is there right not to? But I view it as a very good program. From an interest rate point of view, unless you have hard to borrow names, you're not missing out on all that much with rates being, you know, zero, 25 basis points. If you start, if we start to see a higher rate cycle, as many people predict, and, and Fed funds rates start to get into numbers that are actually like integers, then that becomes, that becomes a meaningful uh, help to your performance. So it, it does behoove you to consider this if you haven't already. I'm going to get to the elephant in the room when people really started to think about short selling, when it took, when it came to the fore, and that was the meme stock craze of early 2021. Let me preface it by saying that thanks to you and your colleagues, whom I really didn't credit as much as I should have, we got explained something to me that sure. was fascinating. I wrote something that that got a good pickup, again, as a result of long conversations with you and your team about how the stock loan how there could be a bigger short interest in GameStop than there was actually a float. And that was a particularly extreme example. And we won't get into that right away, but that was really that whole, that whole meme stock craze put short selling into the fore. Um, and, and to the point where it was, in my, in my word, my thinking, it was the mother of all short squeezes. 
could you explain, I, I could explain the trading mechanics of a short squeeze. And that is basically people realize that there are, there are short sellers who need to cover because they're facing margin calls or be, because their stuff is hard to borrow, uh, gets too hard to borrow. There was an old saying, he who sells what isn't hisn buys it back or goes to prison, which is interesting because it actually came about before there was really reg show. That came about 100 years ago or so. Um, but if you could explain some of the mechanics of what you see when you when we get into these short squeezes, it doesn't have to be a meme stock. They 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 happen with um, dis distressing regularity. There's always something that's getting squeezed. So that was you know as interesting a time as as any of us can can recollect. Um, and and by the way, it, it, it sure seems like there's some ratcheting up on those same stocks in the last several days. So, you know, we'll see what happens uh, going forward. Um, so to touch on one of the things that you mentioned, you know, how could it be that um, there are greater shorts than shares that are out there, namely, namely the float? So let's let's use a very simple example. And let's say the the, the float is a grand total of a thousand shares to make the numbers easy. And somebody sells short 500 shares. And borrows it. Let's call the let's call the original long um, firm A, if you will. And then uh, the firm that shorted it will be firm B. They short 500 shares, uh, and then they borrow the shares from firm A to deliver to firm C. So at at that moment, we have total shares outstanding or the float, if you will, of a thousand shares. We have a collective short of 500 shares. Everything seems reasonable and intuitive at that moment okay so let's say firm b says i like my so my short exposure here let me go ahead and short another 500 shares and they do so and now they borrow another 500 shares from counterpart a they deliver to i said counterpart but i'm in firm they borrow it from firm a they deliver it to firm c per their short sale obligation and now we have a, a collective float uh, of a thousand shares still that hasn't changed and a sh total short amount of a thousand shares. So they're equal at that moment. And then on, let's say, day three, hypothetically, he says, I really, really like my short position here and I would like to short additional shares. So he shorts another 500 shares and he turns around and he borrows it from um let's say firm c loaned it to somebody else and so what what i'm describing here is is kind of a circle where the short is ratcheting up the total float remains the same no no new shares were introduced to the market and that's how you have that dynamic that you kind of led with yeah in the case of firm c he gets delivered the shares but he has no way of knowing whether those shares are in fact borrowed shares or owned shares, and so he can, indeed, and so he can then turn around because they're not they're not flagged, they're not tagged. There's no distinction once he receives them. He can then turn around and lend them himself, and so you can yes. you can find the stuff getting relent, rehypothecated, if you want to use a better word, bigger word, um, around the street. And because in that situation, Firm C is free to lend the shares that he received as a result of Firm B's short sale which were facilitated by firm A, he can then lend them to firm D who wants to short the yep. stock. And, and there you have it. So you could end up in that situation where you have a thousand or 2000 shares 
1,500 or 2,000 shares shorted, despite the fact that it only being 1,000 shares. And that, and now taken to a grander scale, you would see the, you would expect to see the rate uh, increase or, or in, in stock loan terminology, get more negative. Um, and so eventually there is a self-limiting factor to it. Um, I think what happened in the meme stock craze was it got taken to the extreme. It became a war, not just an economic event. Um, the winners, the winners in this case were the were the people who seized upon the the, the short selling. But you know, over time, these these situations do tend to abate, and you see the ebb and flow. You know, the short eventually they got the short. Eventually they got the big short, which was Melvin Capital, to cover his short. In GameStop, yeah, and some of the air came out of both the stock and the and the the lending uh, cost. Explain some of how you see the mechanics going. You know, when they get to extreme, what sometimes causes them to contract back to something more normal? I was thinking about this in advance of this discussion. So the interesting thing about this dynamic is when you take something like GameStop, in a, and I think I think it's. It's fair to to speculate that the reason why the the, the short interest uh, had been increasing, you know, was was the whole prevailing wisdom uh, or theory that brick and mortar stores were going away, and and how is GameStop going to survive that, and 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 what have you. And then, you know, what we saw is what you described, and and that 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 generally pointed the the price as a result of 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 the buy pressure up significantly. So what I would say is, interestingly enough, you know, when the short demand is greater, in other words, prior to what happened in GameStop, a lot of times the rate is is at its apex. And after a short squeeze, when shorts have been either forced or because they're panicked a little bit to come out of their shorts because they, they fear that exposure. Now, what that does in in effect is it is it it reduces uh, the borrow demand and therefore reduces the price to borrow. But there's a process there that doesn't happen instantaneously, you know. So the the pressure on on the rate, you know, is elevated temporarily, and but then after the the, the collective short interest is decreased because of people coming out. Then what you see is is a very quick 180 back to normal rate territory. So it, it, you know it, I don't want to say it's as volatile as what we saw with the actual price during those times, but there there is a volatility based on that collective borrow demand. That was extreme in every circumstance. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because you know during normal trading, you know over the years we we've countless times about like you know what's the rate on this? Is it easing? Is it is it not easing? Anytime you deal with a product that involves forward pricing derivatives, you know, specifically, the stock lending rate is an important factor of that. Normally, you would say that, well, right now with interest rates around zero, the, the forward value is basically whatever the value is, less dividends. You know, as you start to get positive interest rates, the forward value will be something greater than the present value. Uh, again, plus or minus dividends, unless the stock is hard to borrow. In which case, you you look at it and see that the forward value is less than the current value because instead of there being a positive interest rate applied, there's a negative interest rate applied. It can be a very 
interesting situation, uh, particularly for people who who trade derivative products. Right, and I think you know what's what's common in in your world trading versus my world stock loan is that there's emotional uh, an emotional component to to the pricing, and and so you see people making you know trading or stock loan trading decisions based on the extreme volatility of a given stock. And so you, you, you can see, you know, wild, you know, pricing in, again in your world and, and, and rates in, in the stock loan world, um, you know, that tend to calm down over time. You know, so oftentimes during the chaos, uh, things are not as intuitive as uh, they might otherwise be. Yes, that that's a that's an important consideration. Another thing that what I'm going to call within the realm of normal special situations, getting away from like the meme stock craziness, there are plenty of what I would call standard situations when you find that that stocks become hard to borrow. Some of them being um, M&A transactions. If company A is being acquired by company B, um, and rather than paying cash, uh, the, the holders of company A receive company B shares, there's a natural trade there, which would be buy, buy A, short B. Um, you see that happen. If there are warrant deals, you start to see um, the people buy the warrant and sell the stock uh, against it, which, what are some of the ones that are on your radar these days? A lot of it, I would imagine, is SPAC arbitrage, where, the, where there are warrants that are exercisable or after a de-SPACing, for lack of a better word, uh, there are warrants out there. Spectrum was probably elevated the most during 2021, I suppose to a degree in 2020, but but far more in 21. It has largely calmed down in recent months. But I, but I think, you know, the general big picture thing that you're describing is whatever, whatever the corporate action event, be it M&A or any other, you know, we saw a recent... Um, you know, ADR that was that was taken off the books, you know, that's the catalyst. That's 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 the front end thing that we deal with two days later comes settlement date of, you know, whatever that catalyst was, right, is going to sort of dictate the supply and demand within the stock loan market. We're certainly aware of, you know, things that happen on the front end. And that's not that's not limited to corporate actions. That's that includes what we call pre-market movers or, you know, just fast moving stocks due to some news or um, maybe not a lot of news. Um, and, and we, you know, we just see wild uh, and wacky activity in terms of the price of a given stock. It certainly hits our radar to say, come a couple of days later here when, when this thing impacts the stock loan market, it, you know, it's something that we want to be very aware of. So it's important for listeners to realize that the stock loan traders are just as sensitive to news, you know, fast moving stocks, corporate actions, as are any other traders on the street. And in many ways, their business is more dictated by that because many of the market coming and goings that create news or movement don't get reflected in stock loan. But the ones that do get reflected in stock loan really get reflected in stock loan. Yeah. And I think that the speed and, and efficiency of being proactive in advance of that first settlement date when things start to happen, as opposed to reactive, is 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 really what well one of the one of the facets 
that makes a good stock loan trader is is the ability to be ahead of the curve and not totally reactive to it. What else makes a good stock loan trader? What else goes into success in, in, in the stock loan side of the business? It's an interesting role because have uh, good relationships um, within the firm, be it the clearing department, the corporate actions department, the treasury uh, department. Um, you have to be able to maintain good relationships with street counterparts because after all, that's who you're transacting with on a, on a daily basis. You have to be able to consume news as efficiently as possible to shape your decisions. It's interesting, there's there's an analytical aspect to it, but there, there's also a salesy type aspect to it that's unique to a lot of back office jobs or uh, roles. Uh, and, and traditionally, stock loan has been a back office, or at least defined as a back office role. I would call so, it more middle know, office as much as anything. Yeah, else. that's fair. That's fair. But yeah, I, I, I think I think all of those things. So it 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 takes a diverse skill set, if you will, to to succeed. And and at Interactive Brokers, we have a you know an outstanding group that I'm very proud of. So I, you know I, I I think we're you know approaching our jobs in each day in in the right way. That that's awesome, and I think that's actually a great place because you and I have been talking for a long time. Um, I think that's probably a good place to you know, to sort of finalize where, where we are. Um, I just have a couple of notes here that, that, you know, we talked about the, you know, the rule changes that are coming. Um, it's actually Exchange Act Rule 10C1, which I have thanks to your notes to me. Yep. Um, so people who want to look at that, um, that, that would be the, uh, that would be something to look at on the SEC's websites. And one other thing which we didn't touch on was the, um, Upcoming change to T plus one, which is being talked about as opposed to T plus two. That was another thing people were screaming about um, in the meme stock era. I, I am a firm believer that every day you shorten the settlement cycle, you remove a small element, not insignificant, you remove a, a, a large element of risk from the system because there's just that much, there's one day less that something bad can go on between, between, settle, between trade and settlement. Um, how will that yes. affect you? Well, I, you know, I, I think you hit on on the, the the most important component, which is cutting in half, literally, the uh, systematic risk at the clearinghouses, and and you know that price volatility that can occur between between trade and, and settlement date. So that that is critical. In in, in terms of stock loan. It's really going to move all the time periods. In other words, the time period that, uh, like, if if you send a recall, which which is um, asking for a, a stock loan back, if it were to come to a, a a buy-in situation, currently it's two days from from the day that you recall it. You know that would be reduced to one day. It would reduce all of the reg show time periods. All of that would just kind of fall in lockstep with the change going from two to one, as it did, by the way, with the change from three to two a couple of years ago. We are still two years away from moving to T plus one. So there's nothing right around the corner, per se, but we look forward to it when it, it is implemented. Does it add efficiency to your side of the business or does it just speed things up by a day? Obviously, systemic risk aside, which which I think we're in complete agreement that that that's a good thing. Does it? I, I know that interactive brokers will handle it well. You know, we're extremely automated. So I, I think we will react well to it. I, I, I do have a little bit of concerns about, uh, you know, some uh, firms' ability to turn around 
the prior day's trading into stock loan recommendations the following day. You know that that seems like it's it's a challenge that that perhaps some other firms might struggle with. I don't want to speak for them, but in the back of my mind, I I do wonder about that. You know, you know, for us, you know, frankly, it's mostly a flip of a switch, and and we're ready overnight. But you know, I I, I do wonder about the streets' collective ability to to handle the change. Now, the fact that they're getting, you know, that everybody's getting two years lead time to build up to that, you know, maybe maybe that challenge is is not something to be concerned about. I guess we'll find out in two years. Indeed, I'm gonna we're gonna wrap it up here. Um, I've been talking to my my friend and colleague, Bill Pepe, manager of Interactive Brokers Stock Loan for North America. You've been listening to Interactive Brokers Traders Insight Radio. Um, you could find our stuff regularly published on tradersinsight.news. One of the most popular features typically is the most act, the most interesting stock loan names uh, that Bill and his team puts on there. Um, I strongly urge you to keep an eye on that when they come out. And I strongly urge you to stay in touch with us via Traders Insight. And I want to thank you once again, Bill, for for taking the time to join me. Yeah, my pleasure. I appreciate the opportunity. All right. I think we'll leave it there. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Traders Insight Radio. As always, there's more content at tradersinsight.news. And if you're interested in learning more about interactive brokers, visit ibkr.com. We offer more trading education materials such as webinars at ibkrwebinars.com, market-related courses at tradersacademy.online, and quant-related articles at ibkrquant.com. The analysis in this material is provided for information only and is not and should not be construed as an offer to sell or the solicitation of an offer to buy any security. To the extent that this material discusses general market activity, industry or sector trends, or other broad-based economic or political conditions, it should not be construed as research or investment advice. To the extent that it includes references to specific securities, commodities, currencies, or other instruments. Those references do not constitute a recommendation by IBKR to buy, sell, or hold such investments. The material does not and is not intended to take into account the particular financial conditions, investment objectives, or requirements of individual customers. Before acting on this material, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and is necessary seek professional advice. Trading on margin is only for sophisticated investors with high risk tolerance. You may lose more than your initial investment. For additional information regarding margin loan rates, see IBKR.com forward slash interest.